Welcome to AB3 Speaks with Monica Antakia, the podcast on academic business and branding, where we talk about planning, building, running, and growing a business as Black academic women who want to share their knowledge with the world. I'm Takia Nur Amin, academic success strategist, dance scholar, and lover of all things luxury. I'm Monica A. Coleman, professor, religious leader, and mom to an active growing kid. We have over 25 years combined experience of sharing our academic knowledge beyond the classroom, and we're telling you all the things we wish someone had told us. We will share our values-led ways of monetizing your advanced education in today's global marketplace and highlight Black academic women who are doing this with excellence and flair. So stay hydrated, make sure you have something to write on and write with, because class is in session. On the syllabus today, we're going to talk about one of the truths of being a Black academic entrepreneur, and that is that being a Black academic entrepreneur can be lonely. You know, one of the reasons being a Black academic entrepreneur can be lonely is that a lot of us who are academic entrepreneurs don't talk about being academic entrepreneurs. It's not like there's a database to go find us. It's not like you can go on a social media site and be like, where are all the Black academic entrepreneurs? And some of us don't talk about it as much because it's not really approved of in our departments or in our institutions. So we don't want to talk loudly about the things that we're doing. Um, We are used to being quiet about things that deal with money. Right. We're used to being private about that, which, you know, for all types of good reasons, you may see it as something as separate from the job that you're doing. If you have a full time academic job, like my job is kind of cordoned off in one setting of your life. And then this other setting of your life is where you may monetize your knowledge. So those are some of the reasons you might not just know where to find people. You might stumble upon someone who seems who seems to be monetizing their knowledge, who you already know but maybe they're doing something that feels really different than what you're doing or what you're looking to do. So you don't think, oh, let me reach out to them and ask what they're doing or how they're doing it. Now, of course, you could do that, but it's not like it's really easy. That's kind of a happenstance situation. Like, oh, I happen to see this colleague of mine or this friend of mine on this other website, and it looks like this is what they're doing. The other reason is that it's actually not hard to be a successful Black academic entrepreneur without a lot of online advertising. There are many people who get a lot of their business through referral, uh, who may not even have a website or their website might not say anything about their Black academic business. So it's not like you're going to run into their ads necessarily on social media, or you're going to run into them talking about what they do. So I'm just saying it's not something that you might bump into necessarily as you're going about your normal way. And there are some reasons why people are quieter about being Black academic entrepreneurs or aren't marketing about being Black academic entrepreneurs. Another reason it can be lonely as a Black academic entrepreneur is that this is a departure from the way most of us are trained to lead out our academic careers. There is a track, right? There is a track. Whether people tell you that or not, there is this kind of prescribed track that if you're in the advanced degree program of your field, you're kind of supposed to go on. Academia still follows a kind of feudal apprenticeship model where you're supposed to learn from the person and repeat what they do. 
only with your own subfield. And so our advanced degree programs are set up that way. It's like when you depart from that, it's almost like you pledged a sorority fraternity you don't want to be in when you decide I don't want to do it the prescribed way because it really only teaches you to do it one way. That doesn't mean there aren't reasons to get advanced degrees, even if you know you don't want to go that prescribed way, but you're already breaking from the norm. So I know in my field, PhD programs are set up to kind of march you through a tenure track job at a research one institution, or maybe in a theological school because I'm a religion scholar. And they teach you how to publish in certain ways, how your service looks, what your CV should look like all those different kinds of things, how to get tenure, maybe past tenure, how to get full, what to do if you want to go into administration and how that looks like after you've hit certain benchmarks. And so if you are like, hmm, I want to do this differently, or I got to this point, now what? Or I'm bored, or that doesn't excite me. Or for many of us, that route is really cute, but that's not really today's market. Right. We do know that the way advanced degree programs are training people in no way aligns with what the contemporary university model looks like, particularly in terms of the use of contingent faculty. So even if you wanted to take that route, sometimes that's not possible just because of the ways in which the current academy looks like. So there isn't necessarily this model out there that says, hey, maybe you don't want to go that way. Here are the five steps to the two steps to the 10 steps to take to become a successful entrepreneur with this knowledge. I don't know of many doctoral programs, definitely not in the humanities, who are teaching that way. And from what I see of the way people are talking about transitioning from academia to industry, there aren't these kind of pet models to follow, at least not built into the advanced degree program. So you're departing from what someone thinks your academic career is supposed to look like. So where do you find all the people who departed from the norm? Again, there's no database. And if you're doing that, you can feel really alone, particularly if you're around a bunch of other people in your guild, in your program, or your mentors who are all recommending that more traditional path. You know, one of the reasons why being a Black academic entrepreneur can be lonely is simply that the people who are around you just might not understand what you're doing. You spend all this time going to school, earning degrees in whatever discipline, and now you want to strike out on your own building some kind of business. And depending on what that business is, it might not be legible to the people around you. You want to do consulting, but how does that work if you're a secondary education specialist? You um, want to do something in the IT space, but you were trained as a humanities scholar. And one thing that Monica and I know because we work with Black academic entrepreneurs is that many of us um, have day jobs that we love or appreciate at least and enjoy to some degree, but perhaps our jobs aren't big enough to wrap around all the things we want to do, all the things we know we can do, or all the communities that we want to serve. And so we might strike out entrepreneurially to 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 meet those needs. But just because it makes sense to us doesn't necessarily mean it's going to read to the people around us. Maybe you're um, in a creative or artistic discipline and you've been teaching in that discipline for a number of years. And now you've decided that you want to 
consult with artist organizations or you want to coach artists or something along those lines. It just might not be clear or legible or understandable to people. You spend all that money going to school now to start a business. Don't you have a job already? Aren't you making enough money? You know, it just, it might not make sense to the people who are closest to you. And sometimes not only is that lonely, it can also be very painful. Another reason why I can get lonely is because the people who are around you are used to seeing you in a circumscribed role. You are mom, you are auntie, you are sister, you are friend who does these specific things. You are the cousin that plans all of the baby showers. But now you want to launch an event planning business? That means I got to pay you for the thing that you've been doing for free for the last 10 years? You know, why, why, why would I do that? Why would I pay you now? You know, uh, you have a talent for doing hair. You're the one that always braids the kids' hair in your family. And everybody knows that they can come to you when it's time to get their hair done for the prom. But now you've decided that you want to go to school and level up your skills and rent a booth somewhere and start doing hair professionally. I have to pay, but I'm your best friend. I'm your sister. I'm your cousin. I'm your homegirl. You've been doing my hair on your porch for the last 10 years. Why do I have to now you know, pay you when I, I haven't seen you in the role of business person before. This also gets sticky because sometimes the people closest to us know all of the areas that we have struggled in in our lives. You know, they've seen us at our best and maybe they've seen us at our worst. And if they idealize business people and think of entrepreneurs as people without flaws and they know all of your flaws, sometimes they can't square the idea of you being a business person because they know your soft spots. They know the areas in which you've struggled. I'm not saying any of this is fair, folks. I'm just saying it's real. This has shown up, you know, in my life, it's shown up in the lives of entrepreneurs that we've worked with. Sometimes the people who are closest to us not only have prescribed roles for us, but they met us in a certain season and that's the season that they signed up for. I signed up to be with a school teacher. I didn't sign up to be with some woman who is a school teacher plus running an Etsy store plus consulting from the makeshift office that she made in the basement. What is this? And so sometimes people get confused. Some people um, feel threatened. Sometimes people withdraw their support. That's not to suggest that your desire or drive or push to be a business person is a bad idea. But these are all a part of the entrepreneurial journey that people are often less transparent about. You know, nobody really talks about this. And so we wanted to carve out time to acknowledge a very real thing, because when you're experiencing this as a business person, it's easy to think you're the only one. I'm the only one facing this challenge. I'm the only one whose family and friends aren't being supportive. I'm the only one who feels as lonely as I do. And we wanted to lift this up for this episode so that you know that that is not really true. And, you know, the thing is that it, it creates a sense of loneliness, but it also can create a sense of disappointment and pain, like you said, right? Because these are sometimes the people who you expect to be in your corner, no matter what, to be your cheerleaders, or you're already a little nervous about what you're doing and if you're doing it right and if you've priced things right. And there's not that kind of support that you're looking for. And for so many Black academic women, academia is already a field that's difficult for people to understand particularly if you're first generation. What is it you do anyway? 
right? Why aren't you always in the classroom? You have summers off, even though we know off isn't really off the way it may look like it is. When you're in a doctoral program, it's very difficult to explain what it is that you're doing with all your time because reading takes time and thinking takes time and writing takes time. And particularly if you have a lot of family or a lot of friends who have not been through advanced degree programs, which is really most people, because remember, number of Black women with advanced degrees is not a big number. It's not a big percentage. So most people you know don't really get what you're doing. You know, I think my dad thought I was a student, even though I was in my second academic job. Like, you still go to school? I'm like, no, I'm like on the other side of the desk. Second academic job. He was at my graduation and two jobs later was still like, so you still in school? Like, no, daddy. Right. (laughs) So and he had been to college, but didn't understand the academy. And sometimes then as we go on to become black academic entrepreneurs, it's this second layer of I don't really know what you're doing. I don't really get what you're doing. And that can feel isolating. And so you need community, right? We don't think you should go it alone. I mean, this is really how Takia and I became such good friends and such good business partners is we stumbled on each other. We already knew each other, but began having these conversations and we're community for each other. And one of the things that you need other people for is to bounce ideas off of, just like you would with any other academic idea. We're all better in community. We go to conferences to hear things, to present our ideas, to get feedback. And so then you're going to be an entrepreneur and sit in a little corner and figure it all out yourself. That's really hard to do. It doesn't usually go well. And you're not quite sure, is this how it's supposed to go? Is that how? Is this right? So sometimes you want to bounce ideas off of and with people who can hear you back to yourself and can repeat you back to yourself or might know enough about you to say, well, this really sounds like you're in your zone here. Yeah, as a business person, you need community to take away the isolation that comes with trying to build something new. You need to be around other people who are striking out in radical ways or who have had experience building a business, maintaining a successful, compliant business, so that the challenges that you come up against are normalized. And so that when you're feeling um perhaps lonely or isolated or struggling with a lack of support from whomever it is that you thought was going to be there for you. You can talk to another person who's also running a business who can say, I lived through that. You know, I had the same experience with my best friend, spouse, parent, whoever, and understand that your experience while unique is not, um, you know, it's not abnormal. It's something that many of us experience. You are not alone. Community reminds us that we're not alone and that we can survive, that we're going to make it through these challenges and that these challenges are only temporary. You know, that last part you said to talk with other business owners who are compliant, that's a big part of it. Right. A number of us have struck out and maybe charged a little something here and there or had a side hustle. But to talk with somebody else who's trying to run an organized business, a business that is compliant, and that's unusual in some fields. Some people just don't think of that side, which we understand. You're so busy focused on your craft. This can be so true for artists in particular. And 
sometimes you're like, no, 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 I want to make sure I got that part. Or I want to be around someone who knows more about that because they've got that part down and I can make sure I get that part down. And so that's actually another reason why you might want to be in community is to partner with other people. At times, you're going to get work that is more than you can do or not up your alley and you want to refer to somebody else. You can become stronger as you have a business alliance, perhaps, with somebody else. Some things you want to do, you just don't want to do by yourself, but you want to do it as two people, as three people. It works stronger in a team. And if you know other people who are likewise situated, then you can find those partnerships sometimes in a really organic way. I mean, not that Takia and I are one example, but we're totally one example. Another piece of it is that community helps you grow. There are times when I was on the tenure track teaching and some of my best ideas for teaching came from my students. I will say that as a business person, sometimes my best ideas for a next project or a next business offering come from being in community with other business owners who make suggestions or share resources or are perhaps striking out in a way that's been successful for them, which might also be a good fit for my business and is successful for me. You can't come across everything on your own. We are researchers. And yes, being a business owner, part of that job is to do research and to understand how to grow and develop your business. But we also, you know, people who know me know, I say all the time, I get along with a little help from my friends. Okay. I get by with a little help from my friends. Sing the song, y'all. It's the truth. Sometimes our best ideas come from other business folks who are seeing us from the outside in and can make recommendations, share resources, and model for us areas where we might level up or make a change or make some adjustment that could make the difference in our financial bottom lines or in the systems that we're working in our business. So community is actually critical to our growth and development. You need to be in community with people you trust who are going to not only support you when things get lonely, but when you begin to perhaps second guess your own journey as an entrepreneur, to remind you that you do have a place here and that this world is big enough for all of us. And you know, in an earlier episode, I think it was you, Takia, you talked about how your business is going to grow, right? That whatever you started off doing, you're probably going to be doing more or something else bigger than that four or five years or six years later, which is organic and is going to happen. But when you have community, if you grow in a new direction, you can be like, you know, I've never done X before, but you have. Walk me through how you do such and such, right? So it... Because also people are going to come to you sometimes with projects they would like for you to do. And sometimes it's not in your wheelhouse, but sometimes it is. But you're like, I've never done that. And you say, hold on, I'll get back to you. And then you call the person in your community and say, hey, you've been doing this effectively for two years. How do I do that? What does that proposal look like? What kind of conversation do I have? And those are some ways that you can really benefit from community as you're growing, and in ways you don't necessarily foresee happening. But when you have that community, you can go right to them. I mean, this is one of the reasons why academic business and branding brain trust is so important to us and why, for us, it's our gift to the world. It's something we want to offer to other people is because we know what it's like to be the loneliness, to feel the loneliness of being a Black and woman entrepreneur. Many of the examples we've just given, we have experienced personally, one of us or both of us. And 
we stumbled onto, found, researched, drawn to us a number of other really amazing, aspiring and growing and successful Black academic women entrepreneurs. And of course, we have our signature course and we have ways in which we can give feedback and walk you through different methods and strategies, but we also are community for each other. We're listening to each other. We're feeding back to each other. We're suggesting new ideas or new programs and new processes to each other all the time. AB3 is also a place where what gets shared there stays there. You know, we're really serious about making it a place that is, I like to call it a judgment-free zone where people can bring their fears, their anxieties, their big dreams and their wishes, and we can work through developing them together as a community that isn't going to steal the name of your program or uh, copy the model for something that took you hours to put together. You know, there's an ethic and a sense of care and commitment to each other in real community, right? If you've ever had the uh, luck or the blessing to experience real authentic community, you know what it feels like when you're in a safe space that allows you to bring your joys and concerns regarding your life or your business to that space to receive assistance and support. We built the Academic Business and Branding Brain Trust specifically for that reason, and we look forward to receiving your application soon. And can I just gush about our community for a second? Because I am always so impressed by how we're bringing together people who don't know each other sometimes until they're in this room, in this Zoom room together, in this virtual room together. And people are really willing to be vulnerable with each other and supportive of each other. Like, yeah, girl, me too. Or I've experienced this, or I'm happy to talk with you more about this. It's not even something that you have to work hard to cultivate, but that when we're together and we know there's a shared interest and we know that there is this shared commitment that all of us have, and we know that it is this, you know, judgment-free zone, then the community really happens. And so I just want to gush about our brain trusters and how much I love seeing us all work together with each other. Community sometimes is really the secret sauce that can level up what it is that you're trying to build. If you've been toying with the idea of building a business or perhaps you have a business, but you haven't seen consistent or sustained growth, you're not meeting the goals that you set out for yourself. Sometimes what's missing is the empathy, vulnerability, commitment, and support that you can only glean from being in community with others. You know, no business person is an island, no matter what they tell you, no matter what it looks like on Instagram. And so we encourage you to find some healthy community that will support you as a business owner. And if you're looking for support as a Blackademic entrepreneur, we hope to see you soon in AB3. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AB3 Speaks with Monica and Takia. We do this podcast because we want to serve and support Blackademic women's entrepreneurial dreams. So subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. We read every one and this will help others to find the show. If you're looking to take the next step in your career, go to blackademicbraintrust.com where you can join our amazing community and get our free resource on the 12 questions you should ask yourself before becoming a Black academic entrepreneur. Our mission is to nurture your entrepreneurial dreams within and beyond the academy 
and build a business that both sustains and offers you freedom. We look forward to you finding and joining us at BlackAdemicBrainTrust.com. Because we want you to win. Thank you.